There we go. Hey. Hey. Also, now, just for being a few minutes later, I hope you, we got a heads up from Charlotte that we were running a bit behind schedule today. Yes, I, I got the email saying you're running a little bit behind. No, I think I think it because it's on the 14th of Feb, which is Valentine's Day. There is something they've done this survey about how Swedes Swedes do Valentine's shopping. Aha. Uh -huh. um, and that's that's uh, so there's a payment topic around how Valentine's. Shopping. I thought the most striking thing in that in that survey was the fact that how few Swedes actually do shop for Valentine to begin with. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I think a third of us like, what do you mean? I'm not going to buy anything for Valentine's. What's that all about? So, um, so we have to behave. We, well, no, you don't have to behave, but that's, that <laughs> really, I think, your shirt off. <laughs> I think that comes down to, uh, to, uh, how well you want to be represented, right? Yeah. Oh, I like yep. to do well behave. Okay. Fantastic. Fantastic. So in that case, Chris, you ready to go? Yep. Villa, you ready to go? Okay. Welcome to FinTech Daydreaming. The podcast that dives into the world of banking technologies and the ever-changing landscape of FinTech companies. We bring you real-life examples from global and local thought leaders, as well as experts working within the financial industry and seek out the best stories from the front lines of financial services innovation, where dreams of industry pioneers meet reality. Hosted by Paul Krogdahl and Ville Sontu. This is Fintech Daydreaming. Hello and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Fintech Daydreaming. We are again, as always, going to dive deep into the world of what is exciting, what is interesting, and what is happening these days around fintech, uh, embedded banking, open banking, um, and everything else that we can think of along this journey of the next, um, I don't know, 40 minutes or whatever ends up being. As always, I am Paul Krogdahl, and I would not be able to do this without my partner in fintech, partner in crime, my uh, shared glasses man, Villa himself. Villa, how are you? <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm good. Good. Getting there. The year is uh, well on its way, and uh, I think uh, always feels like the time is going faster. Like we talked last time, uh, still feels like that. Uh, it's uh, already almost mid mid February, and uh, getting up to a very uh, busy event uh, streak. So there's going to be a lot of events we're going to be taking part of, both you and me. And uh, the big one, of course, being the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona end of February. So, yeah, a lot of preparation to be done and uh, look, really looking forward to all of these uh, appearances in these events. And hopefully, hope to see many of your listeners as well uh, meet you face to face in these events. Absolutely. Yes, I, I think so. And I, you know, with with the weather being all weird, it, it does feel like things are moving towards summer a lot faster than it has done in previous years, I have to admit. So. I agree with that. And uh, like you said, lots of conferences and events coming up uh, for for us all to uh, to get new insights from and, and new experiences as as always, and maybe one or two interesting parties and, and dinners in the evening. But let's move on to the, the really cool part of the day. We've got uh, Christopher with us here today. And for those who don't know who he is, you should be ashamed of yourselves. This guy is the mastermind behind um, SEB Embedded, SEBX, he has taken uh, the world of embedded uh, finance, embedded banking uh, to a whole new level. So, Christopher, 
why don't we just start with you know a quick introduction let our listeners know who you are where you've come from how you've ended up where you are today and most importantly what's your superpower Wow. Uh, thank you, Paul and Ville, for, for having me. I am taken aback by that introduction. I think somebody said flattery could never get you know ex- too exaggerated. And I think this time you really nailed it. So thank you ever so much for that uh, over-the-top introduction. Um, great to be here. Thanks for having me as a guest. I completely concur with your view, Ville, on the passage of time, which seems to be accelerating although we know that technically it's not there is no doubt that you know there's something going on there because time does really move faster than i can ever imagine that it's done in the past so um yeah so my name is christopher malmer i am um, um uh, running seb embedded right now and and if i look back uh, uh, you know in my rearview mirror i come from the sort of craft of banking more than technology even though i would argue we'll come back to that i'm sure that technology is of course an absolutely integral piece of, of, I think, where banking is heading and what we're doing with SAP Embedded. But I'm born and raised in banking, studied finance, uh, worked for a number of years at Goldman Sachs in, in London as a bank analyst. I worked for a hedge fund a couple of years investing in banks um, and then joined SEB covering banks as a client coverage individual. So um, and then worked in the wealth management division and then ran the retail part um, and then Bit more than four years ago, four and a half years, coming up to five years ago, started what then uh, became SBX. Um, and we'll, we'll talk more about it, but really the, the, the essence and the initiative was born out of the fact that we found ourselves in a disruptive phase of our industry. And I think you know we still are. Um, but if you go back to then those years where we were um, four or five years ago, finding ourselves in a position where we saw a lot of things happening around us in fintech, in um, customer behavior and regulatory changes, technology acceleration, all of these things kind of blending together into some sort of perfect storm. And in so many occasions, we're finding ourselves as an incumbent institution. I work at SCB, which has been around since 1856. So, you know, we've had a fair amount of legacy been built over the years, um, but at the same time, a very long and, and, and proud history and tradition of helping, you know, corporate and, and, and individuals with, with banking across our markets for, for, for decades coming up to centuries. Um, so, of course, coming from that background, seeing the world changing and being co- co- committed and, and um, dedicated to be here for another 156 years, we realized that we need to do things differently. Hmm. And, and rarely is it because of a lack of willingness or, or, or commitment or strategic direction that we can't get things done as quickly as we would have liked. But we find ourselves sometimes you know, slowed down by not just kind of a technology legacy, but also by processes, structures, ways we've we've been set over the years Um, and I think it's a very familiar description I think not just to banks but to large organizations in general I think there's you know a lot of research written on this topic all the way from the innovators dilemma to you know to case studies about corporate innovation and transformation Um, and finding ourselves in that position we said we're going to do a lot of things we're going to be transforming ourselves we're going to be investing in agile we're going to be investing in fintech we're going to be the you know, spreading our chips across the table just to ensure that we are future proofing our, ourselves as well as we can and one of those initiatives was to say let's start SEBX, which is really working at the fringe of the organization set ourselves up as if we were to start a bank from scratch what would it have looked like and letting that entity lose that was just one of many initiatives that started in that accelerating phase of of our industry transformation. Um, and we can talk more about how we then came to become um, SCB embedded. Um, but, you know, so my background coming from, from banking finance and following the industry very intimately for, for many years, um, and now having the absolute privilege 
to where I find myself really at the intersection between banking and technology and, and the opportunities and the possibilities that really present themselves right now, I think, as our industry continues to transform at a high pace. Since we're talking about the origin story of, uh, of SEBX before we move on to SEB and embedded and, and things that are happening right now, I mean, we've talked about a lot about banking innovation and especially innovation in banks uh, in our podcast here. And uh, as a former recovering banker myself, I, I, I got to ask the question a little bit from the beginning of SEBX, yeah. basically. How did you do it? I mean, everybody's talking about starting a bank within a bank from scratch. Everybody's uh, thinking it's a great idea to have this called speedboat approach where you do something from scratch and then have the freedom to create your own culture and things like this. So two questions, really. Again, how did you do it? Uh, and did you model that based on something else that you saw outside uh, of SCB? Or did you uh, invent the met methods uh, as you went along? Yeah, great, great question, Vilen. You're spot on. I mean, this is um, one thing that really looks brilliant. I remember the first slide presentations or the presentations we had to the management uh, team and the and the and the board about what this was going to look like. And if you put on a slide the strength of an incumbent and the opportunities of a fintech or a nimble, agile player, and you blend them together, it's like, hey, you know, this is just too good to be true. You got all the things: the capital, license, you know, uh, data, customers, uh, financial muscles, uh, you know, expertise, and all that stuff. And you blend that with new tech, agility, curiosity, uh, challenger mindset. Um, you know, what could possibly go wrong? Um, but exactly to your point, you know, and, and I, I'm sure this doesn't just uh, apply to financial institutions, but running something like this of a disruptive nature inside a large organization. You know, the fabric, it just isn't, you know, set up for that kind of um, operation. So I think in our experience, maybe the one of the you know, really important things to have in place to, to, to your first question, how do we do it? I think it was to have a clear and strong, dedicated commitment from the management and from the board to say that this is something that we would like to do. Hmm. Um, and in that process, you know, and I think uh, our, our CEO, Johan Torgeby, has been you know, very adamant from the beginning to, you know, to keep this at the fringe of the organization. Um, and as much as it is tempting to you know, apply things or try and, 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 and draw on things and, and, and influence what's, what's happening in, in, in an entity like this, because there's so many opportunities. It's like, hey, we can do all these things. And there's so many ideas and thoughts and reflections of what could be done in a setup like that, but really allowing the entity to find its way and its path. So I think... You know, establishing from the beginning a very clear setup to say this sits, I report directly to the CEOs, it sits organizationally governance-wise outside of the existing uh, uh, organizations. It's not under a division. So kept separately at the fringe, I think that's a really important one. A clear dedication and commitment from the top, not exactly what's going to come out, but that we are going to give it a go. And that, just deciding to, deciding to give it a go, you know, we, and, and to your point, we talked a lot about this before it actually happened. You know, we went to all the kind of cliche trips to the Silicon Valley, getting, you know, large organization goes and get influenced by all these exciting companies and they'll give you inspiration. But, at, you know, at, at the end we said, and, and, you know, let's just do it. And, you know, we'll see what comes out of it. I think that is the pivotal moment when you say, let's just give it a go. And my experience and, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to share. I have a great opportunity to talk to a lot of other banks about our experience and other banks' experiences. But it's just really that moment when you decide to go, all the things that starts to happen 
when you actually do that. They're so hard to predict. They really are. I mean, there's so many things that come out of this that were by no means part of the plan. Um, and there's been turns and twists in the road, and we can come back to those. But just the fact that you're getting yourself set up and started. So, you know, we started this out, and I, you know, I raised my hand and said, you know, if we're really doing this, I would be delighted to go for it. Um, and at that point, you know, being responsible for one of the operating divisions and then setting myself in a small conference room with myself uh, and then starting to say, OK, I need a team. So we started to put together a small team and we were seven people from the very beginning in a small conference room in one of our offices here in Stockholm with no brief, no direction, no plan. The only thing we said is that we want to explore new tech and we want to build new products. That was it. I mean, that, and that was really it. And, and, you know, sometimes, I mean, you know, ba banks rarely do things without having a plan. We rarely do things without a steering committee and a project plan and milestones. And, you know, that's how we normally do things. And we do that well. So doing something which is then out of the comfort zone, out of the normal operating. And, and just as an example, when we announced this to the market, you know, this was in the Q1 release in 2018. You know, we had it under other items. You know, somewhere at the very end, it said, and this new initiative to call SCBX. I think apart from the auditors, I don't think anyone ever read that announcement. Um, you know, I'm a bank's analyst by, you know, historically, and no, uh, you rarely come to that part of the quarterly results presentation. So this was not a big comfortable announcement. Hey, we're doing this thing and we want to, you know, this can become that. It's like, we're doing this thing and let's not make so, too much noise about it because it was just an uncomfortable thing for us to do. Um, and, and that, to your point, to your, to your second question, you know, what, what, would we look at or model this on or get inspired by? I think it was just that wealth of, of, of insights that exist in so many um, parts of, 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 I think, both our industry and others, that if you want to go about and try and drive more disruptive innovation, you need to take a different mindset. And it's hard to expect a line organization to do things radically different mm -hmm. if they are not steered and developed and and, and model on things, on, on disruptive innovation. And again, I look at myself, my previous job in the retail business, you know, the choice between investing in something that could immediately improve my, let's say, growth in the mortgage business or add more savings volumes or hire, um, uh, you know, advisors to bring in more savings assets, which would give me a return on that investment immediately versus spending money on something that may or may not become something interesting down the road, around the corner, without not really knowing what. I think it's hard to expect a line organization in any organization to, to make that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense when I'm evaluated and the stock market evaluates me on my quarterly profits and my growth and my numbers to prioritize those kind of opportunistic, potentially you know, disruptive uh, and, and more radical innovative initiatives. So I think it just, again, conceptually, it makes so much sense to separate these two and then put something on the side and let it go. Um, and I think just that first thing, going from that idea to just letting it happen. And, and I'm sure that every organization will have their own ride uh, when they actually do it. Um, but, but I think just that crossing that line and just letting this thing go. That was a very long answer, but it's, it's, it's you know, you're just hitting the very essence of this whole initiative with your question. Indeed, and, and, and I won't say that uh, I got some PTSD from something you just said there. So uh, let's let's move on. Uh, uh, Paul. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 interesting because you're, you're not the only ones that have 
attempted to do this, but many that have attempted to do it have failed. And one of the things that you said there right at the beginning, which was interesting around, you know, just getting into a room, not having a, a clear direction, you're going to build some products. A, a lot of the the sort of neo banks or, or sidelined banks that have been started off digital banks have focused very much on retail banking and realized that th there is no real return on that growth. You guys though, took a slightly different direction. You, you went first for the SME market, right? Was that a decision you made right from the start or was that more as an accidental development as you moved forwards? Yeah, no, it, it's it's an interesting observation. I'll, I'll answer your question. I think just firstly, when you say that, you know, there's a lot of examples that have failed. I, I, I'm not sure if, if I would necessarily agree with the description. I think a lot of organizations have learned a lot from this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I take um, I take one example across the Atlantic, JP Morgan, that launched Finn as a challenger. Um, and then when they discontinue that, there was a lot of talk around, oh, you can't do that as an incumbent bank. It doesn't make sense. Now they're launching Chase UK yeah. tremendously successfully, growing really rapidly, you know, north of a million customers, great customers. So I think that was that Fin initiative was a very important learning, I think, as an organization, you know, which markets, how does it work, you're incumbent, you know. So I think that all these initiatives, you know, whichever direction they end, end up, you know, and, and I look at you know NatWest in, in the UK launching both bow and metal, learning from all these things, tech-wise, business-wise. And now they are actually, as you know, stepping into banking as a service in a in a joint venture. So I think there are so many learnings to be had from all of these things. Um, but you know, which way do you move forward? I think that from our perspective, um, why did we end up in the small business segment as our first product? We had that dual purpose of exploring tech and building new products. It sounds relatively kind of mundane, but I think what really the essence was to say that by that we said explore new tech because that's the piece for the rest of the bank which is important as well you know if we are going to build a bank we build it in the cloud we don't run you know our the rest of the bank you know natively in the cloud so how what would you do if you built a bank in the cloud so that whole tech exploration tremendously important for the rest of the bank and then you say build new products all of a sudden you introduce a very important element which is the commercial element yeah. So this is not an exploration journey. This is not just a laboratory. We say, hey, cloud is cool. AI is cool. What can we do? That's like, no, this should, I want to be evaluated on revenues and profits. So there was from the beginning, a clear direction of building a business, which then meant that the team started thinking, where do we think we have an underserved segment? Where do we think? We were even using the Sequoia pitch book template to say that if you're going to go to the, you know, Sequoia and raise money, what are the questions you need to answer? What will you be evaluated on? So we need a business proposition, a value proposition that should go out, be able to go out and raise money on its own two feet. So that's where we ended up with the small business segment or the self-employed, where we felt that, hey, here's something that is really underserved. And we felt there was a real opportunity to be data-driven, you know, small tickets, but large size, which means that it can't be, you know, you can't spend, you know, too much manual intervention on these things because it's hard to make that profitable. So there was a number of reasons we felt that this is really some place where we think we can make a difference with a new approach to technology. But from the beginning, since we had that dual purpose, we always said that, hey, under this value proposition for the small business, we're building a platform. And this is where this technology expression comes in. Said, this platform, and I went back to one of my very first presentations we did internally as well, and I said, look, we didn't call it the banking as service platform, didn't really exist as a concept back then. We talked about it, I think it was called something like a scalable 
core, an API-driven scalable core or something like that. And then we said, look, we want to be able to build new products in SCBX. We want the group to be able to leverage this and we want to be able to see if we can have external parties building on this platform. Um, so by launching that first product for self-employed, just as you're alluding to, that was kind of our own validation that, hey, it kind of works. We can get into production faster than if we would have built anything in our traditional uh, organization, simply because of the uh, the ability to monitor this and to, to contain it to a much smaller entity. Um, get to market, get into production, you know, see how it means to operate the bank in the cloud um, and, you know, and all the uh, spillover effects that came out of that, you know, which led to a strategic partnership with Google. That's something that the rest of the bank is, is leveraging today, investing in a company called Thought Machine to build our core banking ledger, um, an investment in a company that we're working closely with for the rest of the group as well. So you had, a, for a startup, a completely over-calibrated backend and, and in platform to validate the concept, which was, unquote, you know, the user experience. So basically, when we're into the market, we're kind of in parallel building a, a value prop for the, for the target market and trying to prove the concept of that scalable platform. You, you mentioned there both Google Cloud. You also mentioned Thought Machine. I mean, we are we've had Thought Machine on this show repeatedly and and spoken to them several times. How important do you think your choice of tech stack has been to your success? You know, if if you'd gone with a old uh, basic uh, traditional core banking platform rather than the engineering led approach from Thought Machine and uh, deployed it onto the the existing infrastructure that SCB has got, do you think you would have been just as successful or do you think that was a fundamental uh, key in your your uh, your success? I'll, I'll, I would say, I think from the very outset, I think we had an over-reliance on what technology was going to do for us. I think we went in with a mindset thinking that if we only get to work with new tech, you know, all these challenges that we have will go away. Um, so that in that sense, an over-reliance because technology is a critical enabler. So to answer your question, yes, those they have been critical in enabling what we want to do, in enabling speed, in enabling cloud native infrastructure and everything that comes with that. No. So yes, that has been critical, but that has been in combination with a new way of working, um, you know, building and thinking and, 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 and um, organizing the teams differently. And in so many other ways, and ultimately these are, you know, these are people that are building these things, using these tools and leveraging their capabilities. Yeah. So I think that, you know, in, in, in hindsight, I, I would have said that, you know, I should have had an even greater reliance on the, uh, you know, the capable individuals that are actually able to build and leverage on those technological enablers. Um, but, but, you know, short answer, I think, you know, we were really from the outset saying that we want to look at things that are, that's going to give us a, you know, more of a future proofing opportunity, building on something that we think is going to last and getting a speed, getting us flexibility, getting a scalability. Um, and in, in that sense, yes, those have been important, very important uh, components. So new, the, new uh, bank, the new, new bank, new technology on cloud, building everything out from scratch i mean a lot of people would would be sitting there wondering so so what was your time to value what would you say you know how quickly did you manage to get up to a point where you had return on investment because i think that's a critical element for a lot of banks when they're looking at doing things like this absolutely and this is it i think it's 
a very, very important point. And the question is, how do you evaluate? Yeah. What is the ultimate evaluation metric for this? Um, and I think when we look at those two dimensions, again, in the dual purpose, explore tech and build new products. In the build new products, it's the relatively straightforward yardstick. You could look at customers onboarded, you know, revenues, value of contract signed, annual recurring revenues. You know, those are the things that you could evaluate the, you know, the business aspect of this relatively straightforwardly. Now, the other part of things, which are then the technology exploration, the things that come in, you know, for example, you know, an, an investment in Thought Machine wasn't part of what we initially had planned to be in, you know, in the SBX uh, exploration. Um, and everything that's come with working closely with a cloud native core banking ledger and what that means for the, you know, how we accelerate the journey for the bank. The strategic partnership with, with Google, um, you know, procurement processes have been redesigned. The whole KYC and onboarding model we've taken in fresh, uh, take on, which again is something that we spread in the rest of the organization. We have made other investments in other companies as we have advanced. Um, and everything, and, and the talent that we have, I'm tremendously proud that we've been able to recruit as part of the SCBX initiative. So the employer branding and also the internal messaging to say that, hey, we're doing a lot of things to future-proof this bank. Here's yet another initiative and something that we are you know, allowing us to both tap into you know, the fintech scene and, and be in a, in a conversation like this on this very podcast. Mm. So, you know, all those other things that are the payoffs for the, you know, the broader organization uh, and the broader you know, brand and, and, uh, and our general transformation agenda, those are much harder to put a number on. But I am adamant that we need to evaluate this on a return on investment in the traditional sense as well. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is great that we were awarded you know, one of the best financial innovation labs by Global Finance Awards last year. And, and you know, we're proud and excited about that and all the, the, the effects that we get uh, as kind of ripple effects on, on the things that we're doing. But ultimately we're building a business for uh, you know, shareholders and shareholder value creation um, and with SAB embedded, we have a very clear agenda on a path to profitability. And the same thing with Unquo, um, the, the offering for, for self-employed to find its path to profitability. So I think they always need to be there. And I think it is an important aspect. And again, you know, we've never done this before. Um, we're looking and talking to a lot of other banks that are doing, as you're alluding to, other in type of initiatives. And if I would have done this over again, I would definitely have been very conscious to keep that part of the initiative that there needs to be a re return on investment mindset on what we do mm. and a constant evaluation say, okay, so now what is the business plan? We're going to pivot. That's fine. And, you know, for most of the fintechs I follow, we've invested in and we're talking to, quite rarely do they end up where they thought they would end up when they started. Again, that's something that's also a bit uncomfortable for a traditional incumbent institution. We like we do things, we plan, we do a study, and then we execute and we deliver and we do the milestones and we get to where we wanted to be and where we expected that we were going to end up. Yeah. Whereas the fintech journey is very often very different. So again, trying to allow that in a setting of an incumbent organization, um, I think is another aspect and a learning process that you know, allowing an entity to, to, to find its way. And I ask myself, you know, we have with, with our first product, Unquo, for the self-employed, you know, we're running with you know, a couple of thousand customers you know, today, and you could argue if this would have been a startup, you know, what would have been the, you know, uh, how would we have been evaluating that? Now, 
of course, if that would have had you know two million customers, where we would then have been on you know the build out of the embedded platform, etc. So there's so many things depending on how you know where the road takes you that ultimately um, you know requires you to constantly make new decisions. So uh, SABX and SAB Embedded are part of SAB Bank. So I presume you are being regulated and supervised as part of SAB under their banking license. Correct. So this implies that you probably inherit a lot of the compliance and risk management processes from SCB that are relevant to being compliant with the banking regulations. But sometimes these things don't really mix well with uh, with this kind of innovation and tech-driven approach uh, for, for next generation banking. So how have you navigated this, uh, this com uh, existing incumbent compliance and risk processes and still maintain this uh, time to market that you were talking about? Yeah, no, it's it's another great avenue that you're opening up now, Ville. And I think this is so interesting because in our experience, this has been an, from the start an extremely close collaboration with all the control functions in the bank, with legal, with compliance, with risk, with credit, with all those organizations. Because what we found is that in those organizations, there's a wealth of experience and knowledge around the respective areas. Um, and here we came from scratch to say that, okay, we're gonna do transaction monitoring and we're gonna do, how would we like transaction monitoring to work? You know, we can get access to real-time data. We can get access to these new data sources. We can build this in a way. So all of a sudden we're sitting with control functions, jointly innovating new things that we would, you know, they would have liked to do. And they know much better how these things work than we do, but together with, you know, taking a fresh pair of eyes on, on those together with that experience, and the opportunity that comes with building from scratch a new tech, all of a sudden there were things coming out. So, you know, a redesigned onboarding in KYC uh, model was something that came out of this. Um, and that was something that we felt that this is not taking shortcuts or bending rules. In fact, this is something that, you know, if we would have done it today, that's probably how we would have built it. And that's with all that experience that we're getting from our um, different control functions. So in, in our experience, this has not been, you know, we're trying to come up with something here and then we go and present it and try and convince, you know, the control functions to allow us to do it, but rather getting on board together and saying that, okay, we can do this from scratch. How would we like to do it? Um, so for us, that has been a really, really important. And, and I would argue that, you know, we would not have come up with the things we did had we not had access to that, uh, that experience. So that's really where I think, if we go back to that very first slide, the strength of the incumbent and the and the sort of fintech agility, you know, that's where that blends really well. I think when you can tap into all that experience and knowledge. So I assume based on that, what you're really saying is for for SEBX, when you look at the fintechs, they are friends; they're not foe. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and I find, I mean, you know, maybe you know, and I'd say maybe this goes back a couple of years, but you know, it's been a popular polarization between incumbents and fintech and you know, some fintechs, of course, would like to say that, hey, banks are going to go out of business and we're going to be the future. And I think many observers like to portray it as the one versus the other. Um, but in our experience, I have very rarely uh, had, you know, a fintech not wanting to talk to us. I mean, saying that, you know, we're not going to do business. It's a constructive conversation. Um, and there's exploration of all sorts of, of, of opportunities, be it technology ones, be it partnerships, be it investments. Um, so our experience is that that's definitely a, a very healthy relationship. Fantastic. 
help our listeners just to 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 clarify the branding differences here right i mean scb is the traditional uh bank being in sweden known across the world it's very old well we won't say very old but it's been around for a long time then you've got yep. scbx and then you've got scb embedded is is SCB embedded a rebranding of SCBX or are they two different parts? How do these pieces fit together? Yeah, so I'll take you through that. So, so basically then what happened from, from that SCBX inception, we started building that platform that's part of the technology exploration. We launched our first product on the platform and we started to get to the next phase to say that, okay, so let's see what more we can run on this platform. So we started setting up a small team in the bank um, that's building the next generation of mobile apps for, for young customers. And we said, hey, what if we could build this on this new uh, uh, technology stack? Um, and, and to your point previously, Villa, we're on the same balance sheet. We are the same regulated entity. So for all intents and purposes, SCB embedded, SCBX, SCB, that's the same legal entity. Hmm. Um, so, you know, SCBX came to the point where we then had the first product in the market, started to scale the platform, and then we signed our first external banking as service customer which is a Swedish retail conglomerate called Axel Johnson. Um, and they wanted to venture into financial services to build, you know, get closer to their customers, get access to more data and build a loyalty program. Uh, and they wanted to use financial services on, on that journey. So this was really our opportunity then to see, okay, now, so we've built banking as service in a way for ourselves with our first product. We're now looking at exploring that as part of the bank's uh, next generation of products. And now we open it up for a, uh, an external distributor. And when we made that public, and this was in Q1 of last year, yeah. um, we announced that, hey, we're building a platform and it's going to be available for banking as a service. That was really a trigger point when we started to get a lot of very exciting conversations um, about bringing this into the marketplace. So come sort of autumn last year, we, we felt that, okay, so right now it feels like we have, you know, we have enough to do. We have more to do than we can than we can cater for right now. And that kind of exploration part, of which was initially the kind of the initiative with SCBX, we felt that you know what, it, if we're going to try and grab this opportunity that is embedded finance, embedded banking, and banking as service, that's going to have to be our full focus right now. So then we said that you know we, we probably can't keep that exploration. We're probably moving away from exploration more to commercialization. So we had again a conversation with with um, uh, with our CEO and 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 he said, you know what? Why don't we put this into business unit um, and with a clear mandate to scale and grow banking as a service and embedded finance? That became SCB embedded. But then we said, this whole experience with SCBX has just been very rewarding in so many different ways. Hmm. Things that we talked about before that we didn't expect and things that you know we didn't foresee. So why don't we start SCBX all over again? Right. So from SCBX came the team, the tech and everything and myself, you know, starting SCB Embedded, um, left this nothing in SCBX and we set a new, you know, then it was Christopher Malmer. Now his name is Nicola Mock, who used to be the CIO of the bank. He now takes exactly that same role as I did four and a half years ago, alone in that conference room uh, in uh, somewhere in Stockholm, thinking about, okay, I'm going to explore new tech and build new products. What does that mean in 2023? Hmm. 
Um, what's around the corner? What's really the new and avant-garde things that are going to change the banking industry down the road? Things like AI look very different today compared to four or five years ago. Building a bank in the cloud was adventures. Now it's kind of probably what most people would do today. So maybe that's not the next generation. Maybe there's something else. And maybe there's something on blockchain technology, or maybe there's something else that's advanced over the years that we've been building that now is around the corner. So I thought it was really exciting to say that, okay, we what came out of SE? XBX, well, embedded, we're trying to scale that, and Quo, trying to scale that, and let's just start XBX all over again and see what comes out in the kind of the 2.0 version. I think you've created one of the best job adverts in the world here, right? You're <laughs> going to have techies like Villa and I uh, from, from the world knocking your door down, trying to get a job in, in the future of SEBX and SEB embedded and whatever fantastically interesting start from scratch activities you guys will will be doing going forwards oh that that would be fantastic we are hiring so don't hesitate to head over to uh, a career page okay business <laughs> you heard that first here on fintech <laughs> seb embedding and sebx are looking for the brightest and the best so hop on over and and contact chris he'll he'll give you a job if you are one of the best yeah, just absolutely. A quick and, comment. And I really, really love, yeah, I really love this uh, reinventing the whole thing. So creating something that was successful and then not being afraid of starting from scratch again uh, to again almost do a rebirth uh, of uh, of the whole thing again. I, I, and uh, that's that's incredible. I've never actually heard of some something like that in a, in a financial institution uh, at all. So. But it's uh, really looking forward to seeing where this journey takes you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really excited to see what comes out of the next version. Yeah, we're, we're, we're heading rapidly towards the end of our time. Like we always say, uh, you run out of time way too fast when you're having these sort of fun discussions. And I thought just, we were all halfway by now. Well, I mean, <laughs> Me too. I, we'd love to have this discussion for another couple of hours. So let's grab some beers and sit down and continue the discussion, right? But I'm actually just wondering if... If, if I could ask as a, a final question, if you did it all again, what would you do differently? I know you're saying you're going to do it all again, but so what are you going to do differently? Yeah. No, I mean, I think the, the, there is no um, question that there's been so many learnings over this journey that we look back and we say, oh, surely we could have done that differently or surely and and this road has been rocky and you know i i i say you know software development is not for the faint-hearted i mean when i was in my previous jobs as a you know running more of the you know, operate the, the business side of a bank hmm. when you hear about these technology things not working you're like what's going on is that what? but then you're working so much closer to it you realize these things happen all the time and you know things go down and things go wrong and you fix it. Um, but you know my my initial mindset was you know so much more kind of you know, what what do you mean it's not working? Um, you know do we need to rebuild everything or redo it or should we just close it all down? It's like no no these things just happen. So you know that you're you're, you're blending that 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 mindset of a you know that, that software development mindset with with you know a banking and business mindset and that has been an, a constant learning journey for us. And again technology choices that we've had to reverse, um, you know, directions we've taken that we had to reverse, uh, you know, explorations that we've done that we've learned a lot, a lot from. But that's, I'm, I'm just really coming back to that thing. It, these are learnings all the time that takes us forward and having the stamina and the 
you know, commitment and the determination to just keep going because things for sure are going to go wrong. Hmm. And again, it's so easy to say this, that you learn from your mistakes and you fail fast and that's good learnings. But when it happens, nobody likes it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not fun. <laughs> and you know, it's in the it's in the gut reaction, and particularly keep it, you know keep in mind a large regulated organization where fines are big and controls are massive. When things go wrong, the gut reaction is like, oh, so who did this? Who's you know how, who said this? To to genuinely step away from that and say, okay, so what can we learn from this, and and how do we take this forward? Yeah, it's so easy to say, but you know I just have to remind myself all the time that these are this it, it, it's a process and it's a, a uh, something that we're that we're having constantly to think about hmm. so um i mean and you know one other example which i you know in, again in hindsight is it's, it's kind of ridiculous when we launched our first product um you know unquote on the platform now being a large bank launching into the cloud with customer data i think we were the first bank in our part of the world to have live production customer data on a public cloud um so there was of course a lot of sort of you know, controls and checks and balances on this. Uh, we'd had the conversation with the FSA, it was going to be small and everything. Um, and then we were like, okay, so what if we launch this into the app store and it really explodes and we're going to get so many customers. So we're like, hey, we need to build something into this so we can stop the inflow of new customers. And you just like, which fintech? spends time on designing and building things that's going to stop the inflow of new customers. And you look back and it's like, but that's what we did. And we launched and hey, surprise, surprise, we did not get inundated. And yeah, we kind of managed the number of customers that came in. You know, so, so, but that's sort of a, you know, a, a again, le learning and, and, and blending those two worlds that are just doesn't naturally um, uh, gel in, in in all aspects. And back to your point, Vila. Yes, working closely with control functions that's been extremely valuable. But also recognizing that you know a GDPR fine for us is a percentage of the revenues over the group because we're part of the group. A GDPR fine, if I spin out and start on the street with zero revenues, a GDPR fine is going to be zero. So the risk reward equation inevitably is going to look different. So yes, you can take more risks if you're a startup. Yeah, but sometimes it actually makes more sense to take more risks. And it's not because large institutions are, you know, um, too afraid always or too kind of, you know, they don't get it. It's like sometimes it just doesn't make risk reward sense to take the kind of risks that you were to take if you were not part of a large organization. So, you know, it's striking that balance and that's a constant strike, you know, balance for us to strike. And I look at, you know, if you look at some examples in the startup world where things go too fast and all of a sudden, you know, there's all sorts of regulatory conversations and all sorts of investigations and things, you know, and then you like tilt it too much on that way. And then you look at other parts of the world where things just don't go fast enough and then you tilt it too fast, in the, too much in that direction. So this striking this balance um, and there's so many examples of things where we tilted too much on the one direction or the other. Um, and that for sure, there's, there's, there's an easy another episode that we can spend and just talking about all those mistakes that we've done <laughs> then we will invite you back for another episode but unfortunately this time we've come to the end and i suppose thank you very much for for joining us if if the listeners want to know more about scbx scb embedded apply for those jobs that you've got how can they get in contact with you yeah so there's there are uh, scbx.io 
uh, is the, the the page for um, and, and forward slash career for for those opportunities. And then we have scbembedded.com, uh, a fresh web page launched actually probably about ten days ago or so. So it still says coming soon. But the one thing we have up on that page is the career page. So that's the most important thing uh, to keep um, building and investing in our in our uh, brilliant talents. Um, and um, uh, and then for the if you're self-employed and you want to try the Unquote product, that's uh, Unquote.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us on FinTech Trade Dreaming. It's been an incredible uh, discussion. Learned an awful lot. Uh, I think I'm even more excited now about what you guys are doing with SEB Embedded than I was before. And, um, you know, I personally, whenever I'm presenting, I do actually use SEBX as a great example for doing things right. I just hope you guys continue to prove me right in that journey and, and continue to grow. So thank you. We do our best. Thank oh, you. absolutely. Yes. And we need to wave that flag for, for Nordic FinTech, right? So let's keep doing that. But to the rest of our listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us for another episode. I really hope that you've enjoyed this as much as Villa and I have done. And uh, go and check out what um, they, they are doing with SEBX, SEB Embedded and everything else. Villa and I will be back in two weeks time for another episode. But until then, this has been Fintech Daydreaming. This is Fintech Daydreaming. <laughs>